Good morning, ladies and gents. It is Breakfast with the Broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We have a special, special guest, um, a local guest. And, um, you know, we, we've been looking forward to this day for a while because a lot of times people don't understand what appraisals are, or assessments are, or portability is. And we, we have an opportunity to ask her some of those questions. So without further ado, and now. By way of Palm Beach County, she is the Palm Beach County appraiser. She is on your tax bill. She is Dorothy Jacks. Good morning, everyone. So nice to be with you. Good morning. So, uh, you know, uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and, and such. And, you know, the Palm Beach County, as a Palm Beach County appraiser, you know, is so important. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of times people don't understand what goes into, you know, the assessments and the appraisals and, you know, you know, the millage rate up, down, sideways, you know, kind of thing. Um, can you just explain to us a little bit about what the um, what the process is to assess property? Sure, absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks, first of all, very much for having me. It's great to be with you. You know, valuing property for tax purposes, which is what we do at the property appraiser's office, is really a very statistically driven job, um, very much involving what does the market say about property values. So every uh, day we are receiving data from the clerk regarding transfers of property. And we're using that data values um we're using the market values that are you know people buying and selling property that tell us you know what property is worth and we are basically crunching it into our computer systems and then from that making decisions about whether a property coming down to the micro level whether a property is increasing in value decreasing in value of course and of course it could be staying the same year over year now we're doing that annually for every property in palm beach county and january 1st is an important date because that's the date by which we are obligated to value the property so even though you get your bill in november of each year it goes all the way back to what was the status of that property on january 1st that sets its value that's great. And, you know, when you're doing those assessments, you know, I guess, you know, some of the questions that um, I always look at is, you know, why is the market value different than what the assessed value would be? Now, assessed, you know, listen, I don't want you to increase it to the market value. I get a lot of, I get a lot of people yelling at me. But, uh, <laughs> but why is that? Why is there a little difference there? Yeah, so the main reason is that state law says that we can um, we, we can deduct certain things from those market prices that people are paying. Um, mainly, the big one is cost of sale. So in other words, when you say you've spent $600,000 on a home, some good portion of that is tied to the cost of sale. So broker fees, fees for closing, fees for filing and so forth. So we're actually deducting a certain amount from every transaction in order to arrive at what is really the value of the real estate. Okay. That's, so, that's great. Yeah. And that is usually around 80 to 85% of the true market value. So in other words, we're trying to hit a range of anywhere from 80 to 85% of true market. You also have to remember that 
the timing. So January 1st, again, is when we're trying to value all the property. We're trying to say this is what it was worth on January 1st. And a lot can happen between then and when you get the bill. So you get the bill and you think, well, why why has the office gotten my house only at, at $650,000 and it's worth $725,000? Well, some of that may be also tied to the timing. You know, value went up during those 10 months or 11 months. And um, so we're not reflecting that change. That would be in the next year. So yeah, we're never trying to hit 100%. The other reason is, of course, statistically, because we're valuing massive amounts of properties at one time, if we tried to get everybody exact, we'd have people over, you know, and we don't want anybody over 100%. So again, that sort of 80 to 85% of true market, what you actually pay pay when you buy a property is where we're trying to hit. That's great. And do you reassess property when the sale comes? Like if the sale comes in, let's say July or August, you know, um, are you reassessing that property for the no, new no. potential now? So, no, so it, yeah, what people see, uh, and it kind of throws everything off, is that it looks like we're only reassessing when sales happen, but we're actually, the market value of property is adjusting every year. And, you know, if you look at PAPA, our website, I'm sure your user, your your viewers are familiar with our website, um, Property Appraiser Public Access website. But if you look at the market value for a property, you'll see it change almost every year. Uh, you know, there's 10 years worth of history now on Papa, so you can look and see it changes almost every year. That market value changes. But what happens is because many people are homesteaded and they have a cap on their property, that when that, that cap comes off when you sell, so it makes it look like that's when we're reassessing. But actually, all we're doing is removing that benefit and doing what we call returning the property to market. So it's going to go back up to that market number that has been changing every year. So we are reassessing every year. Yeah. So so I guess if um, in July someone purchases a property that um, was homesteaded um, and it hits, you know, in August, the market value then would be reassessed. It, not that you're reassessing it, but it would be um, the number would come off of that homestead. That cap would come off, like you said, and then it would, it would be a higher number and it would look like it's reassessed, but it actually wasn't. It was just, you know, put back, like you said, to the market. Yeah, and you'll actually notice that that transaction doesn't actually happen until the next year. So if I buy a home in July, I'm going to retain the benefit of the prior owner's cap, homestead, all of their benefits for the remainder of that year. So when my taxes are prorated, it's going to be prorated on that lower amount that the prior owner was paying. But the next January 1st, again, January 1st being really important, we're going to take off that prior owner's cap and homestead, and then we're going to reset the market for that following year. So if you closed on January 2nd, theoretically, you would get the benefit of a homestead even if you were buying it as an income-producing property? Theoretically, yes. Um, what that would, I will say that what that would require is that the seller continue to homestead on that property, even though they were only there one day. So that's unusual. But if the person sells in March, I mean, yes, certainly. Um, but, you know, I would be careful, though, you know, if you buy in early January, that seller may have gone and bought something else. 
And if they bought it prior to the end of the year and they moved into it, you know, and they were only just cleaning up things at their old home that you bought, you could, you might not get their benefit because they've, they've gone ahead and moved it already to another property for that January 1st. Interesting. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, you know, it was never explained to me that way. And I, I think it's, uh, um, now I have a better understanding. Um, okay. let's talk a little bit about portability. Um, you know, cause, uh, portability somehow is some kind of formula <laughs> that most of us don't understand. Yeah. What, you know, I mean, we understand the, the concept of portability, but maybe the process of how the portability works and how you could figure out, I, I know that there is a portability calculator on your site and such. Um, what, what savings are you saving when you're bringing portability over? Yeah. So portability, you know, need a couple things to work. One, you have to have had a prior homestead in Florida. Uh, it can be anywhere in Florida. That's one of the really nice things about portability. You can bring it from another county or you can take it to another county. Uh, and at that other homestead, you had to have been there for a while to have built up what we call cap savings. So I'm going to use my hands. So if your market value is here and over the years, because you're homesteaded, your value has only creeped up that 2.3% or 3% or whatever the cap is, you have a difference. You have a differential between your market and your capped on your old home. Okay. That is your portability benefit. So that's what you're going to carry or port from your old home to a new home. Now, filing for portability happens when you homestead your new home. So how it works is you're going to come into the office or file online with great online filing in Palm Beach County, but you can file online, come in, and we're going to have you, we're going to ask you, where did you used to live? And if you tell us you used to live in New York, well, we're done with you, right? But if you tell us you used to live in Alachua County, we, it perks us up and we have you complete a portability application in addition to your homestead application. It's just one more piece of paper you sign. Most people probably don't even notice they sign it. And what we do with that is we find out from the prior home, whether that's in my county or whether that's in Alachua, how much your prior home's cap was, like what that amount was. And then we calculate that off of the market value of your new home. So it's as if on your new home, you have savings right away. It's as if you have a cap savings right away, even though you've just bought a new home. Now there's a lot of rules around portability. You um, can only take up to half a million dollars. So most people don't have that kind of savings, but there are people who do. It's capped at that amount. Nobody gets to take more than that. If you upsize, meaning you go from a home that's worth 300 to a home that's worth 400, you can take all of your cap savings to the new home. But if you downsize, you go from 300,000 down to like 100,000 condo or something, you can only take that proportion of the value, the old to the new with you. So that would be a third of your old value, 100,000 to 300,000, right? You take a third of your portability savings. So that's pretty logical. And the reason for that was so that people don't wipe themselves off the tax roll. You know, you don't want somebody taking a huge amount and then they don't pay any tax. So downsizing is important. The other big rule is at the moment, you only have two years to use your portability benefit. So that means that if I 
happen to have a gap between my two homesteads. And that happens. I mean, a lot of us, you know, sell a home, buy a home, and we're real simple. But some people sell a home because they need to have money to finance building a new home. Some people sell a home and they don't, they're not sure where they want to live. So they go and rent or they go help their mom or they do something else. You own, you have a limited window to use the benefit. You only have two tax roll cycles. So if I sold my home today, July of 2020, I have to homestead either in 2021 at a new home or in 2022. Now, in order to homestead in 2022, I have to own and occupy on January 1st, 2022. So I don't have two years. I actually have 18 months to get something bought and move into it to use the benefit. Now, I'm, I'm going into this a little bit, but I, I want to get people to understand this. It's really important. We so you don't want to miss that window. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna buy a new home right away, give us a call and we can go over with you what your dates are so that you know, number one. Number two, on the ballot in November, November 3rd, there's going to be an amendment to the Constitution that would expand this to three years, okay? So that's a big thumbs up for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to officially tell you to vote for it, but it's a big thumbs up. I will, I, I will tell you to vote for it. <laughs> because what that will do is just give everybody a little bit more of a cushion because we hate having to tell people that we're really sorry. I mean, the deadline. I mean really, okay. technically, it's only two and a half years. I mean, in, in most cases, you know, in yeah. most cases. Yeah. And if um, you're building a house, especially that's the people that really got caught in it was, you know, if your house takes a little longer to build and you happen to start at the, you know, just the wrong time of the year, I mean, you know, you could lose this really nice portability. And I mean, you've earned those savings. You've earned that portability benefit of your old home. It's terrible if we have to tell people we're really sorry just by the nature of the calendar, you've missed it. You know, now uh, we have a question from Michael Glickman, uh, and I believe that financing doesn't have any bearing on portability. But um, he asks, is there portability on a house that has um, a reverse mortgage? Um, you know, it, it really is all about how I think you can you can certainly still have a homestead on a house that has a reverse mortgage. So that's how you really get portability. So I'm assuming, yes, you could have portability on a house with a reverse mortgage. And when you left that house, again, it has nothing to do with you selling it or how it's financed. But when you left that house, if you move to another uh, another homesteaded property that you're going to live in, then you can take the portability benefit with you. Yeah. So the, the really the longer that you've had a homestead prior, um, the more portability in, in most cases that you would have because the, the difference between the market and the, um, uh, the cap would be, uh, you know, you know, exponential. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, they, you know, they think, well, where's my portability benefit? And maybe they only lived in a house for two years. You know, some people do turn over fairly rapidly for any number of reasons. And the longer you've stayed in your house, the chances are there's more of a gap been created between your cap and your market. And that's where people tend to have more portability. So you do see people who've been in their house 20 years, they have the best portability savings. And of course, what that also is translating to is they're paying less taxes because of course, at their, at their home where they've been for 20 years, their value that they pay tax on 
which has been capped for many years, stays very low. I have this great example. I moved not too long ago and my old next door neighbor had lived in her home for 25 years and her taxes were less than a thousand dollars a year. And when the buyer who were very nice people bought the house, they asked me, they said, you know, what will our taxes be? And I looked it up for them and it was $10,000. <laughs> I said, Welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Here's a cake. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. It, um, it's you know, it's important to use that tax calculator on Papa. I will say that just on that note. Uh, when you are looking at homes, if it, you know, for you or for your clients, you gotta look at use that tax calculator and get a real sense of what the taxes are gonna go to. <laughs> when you buy. So, um, you know, great explanation. Obviously, uh, you're doing a great job. We, we certainly appreciate all that you do. Um, we're changing gears a little bit. So, at, you know, I think we were talking off air. You know, I was always looking at, I always like research the people that come on, you know, so I could give them an introduction and stuff. And I saw a Palm Beach Post article <laughs> that you did uh, indeed test uh, positive um, for Corona yesterday. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, um, I, I, I have a very mild case. I'm very blessed. I feel terrible for people who are going through real, real strife and agony. But I often, I starting to, I'm starting to wonder if I'm more the norm than not. Um, I just have a lot of fatigue. I'm quite tired, and I've lost my sense of smell, which is very odd. But um, I haven't had any of the terrible symptoms that we hear about. And, um, you know, the big thing is I'm, I'm, I've been very vigilant about wearing masks and, um, and trying to be, you know, really careful when I'm out. And our office is being incredibly careful. Uh, we have a full masking policy. The only time you don't wear them is when you're sitting at your desk. And um, we've really cut back on our meetings and... We do a lot by phone and by video conference now. And, you know, it's going along well, but, you know, it was very surprising to me that I, I came up positive. Um, but certainly I hope that it's going to be short lived. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we appreciate you, you know, coming on and, and really, you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, when people look at uh, COVID-19, you know, they, they hear the horror stories and, and the really bad things. And there certainly are, are some terrible stories out there. You know, our hearts do go out to them and, and the family and the friends around them. Um, but, you know, it seems like to me, at least the more people that I speak to um, have significant, m- like more mild symptoms, um, not to say to minimize this or, or virus or, or, you know, we still have to be vigilant and, and, and wearing masks and, and washing our hands and, and, and hand sanitizing and just being careful with, you know, some social distancing practices. But um, it is good to see that someone like yourself um, you know, who tested positive just yesterday, you know, seems to be, you know, doing uh, pretty well. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. We hope that, you know, obviously that continues and, and hopefully you get better very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, Dorothy, uh, this was really great. I mean, you had some really ex- great explanations. Um, in summary, we talked about portability assessments. January 1st is the uh, assessment date. And we talked about why um, potentially your taxes may go up 
um, uh, depending on when you purchase during the year. We also talked about November 3rd, um, you know, on the ballot, you know, you're going to want to, I know Dorothy didn't say this, but I did, uh, you're going to want to vote for the, uh, extend the portability from two years to three years. So we certainly appreciate you coming on and uh, we wish you well. I hope you feel better quickly and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Please have me back anytime. Happy to talk about all kinds of things. Keep an eye out for our proposed tax notice, which we mail in August. And do give my call, my office a call anytime. We've got the greatest people and they know everything that I told you and more. So um, give us a call if you have any questions. Thanks so much. It's been great being with you. Thank you. All right. Be well. Stay Take safe. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.